turn our Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3, tonight, Proverbs chapter 3. Man, isn't it a blessing to be in the house of God? Amen. A lot of places we could be, and uh, some of y'all, if the police could find you, there's a lot of places you would be, amen, but I'm glad to be in the house of God tonight and uh, thrilled. One Lord good to us this morning, I appreciate His presence, and uh, what a blessing that that was. Proverbs chapter number 3. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 13 tonight. Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 13. We'll read down to verse number 18. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 13. The Bible says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you for letting us be in the house of God tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we approach your word to have honest hearts. Lord, I understand that my heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So if I'm going to be honest in and with my heart, I'm going to need the Holy Spirit of God to apply the Word of God. And I'm going to need a willingness on my part to hear the Word of God, even when it hurts, even when it makes me uncomfortable, even when it deals intimately with my life and my choices. Lord, I need you tonight and I need your Word tonight. So I pray that you'd help us to have the right attitude as we approach your Word. And may we be willing to let you do an eternal work in us. Now, Lord, I don't know the heart's condition of any person here, so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to do in each and every heart that which would bring you glory and that which you know is most needed. Lord, I trust you to do your work and to do what only you can do. Bless our time together tonight, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the book of Proverbs is a book of, about, and containing wisdom. When you study through the book of Proverbs, you'll find that it largely divides itself into three main portions. And the first portion of it, nine chapters, is devoted solely to this concept or topic of wisdom. God evidently thinks it's important that you and I be wise individuals. Now, what does wisdom mean? And what does it, uh, when we talk about having wisdom and being wise, how do we define something like wisdom? Well, we find the answer in the Word of God. I'll give you a good little clue here. Any answer you need, you'll find in the Bible. If it's needful in your life, if it's pertinent in your life, you'll find the answer in the Word of God. When we read through the Bible, we learn some things about wisdom. For instance, in chapter number 1 of the book of Proverbs, Solomon begins to write about the seeking of wisdom in our lives. He says in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. And this is why he wrote the book of Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. He says this, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And then he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
In other words, how could we define wisdom? Well, Solomon opens up by revealing to us that wisdom is the spiritual application of correct knowledge. The Bible gives us correct knowledge. But you know, there's a great many people who have a lot of knowledge but never apply it in their life. I think that's one of the real problems in a lot of good churches today is they're good at knowing things, they just ain't very good at doing things. Somebody say amen to that. They, they know what is right. Their doctrine is impeccable, but they've not applied it in their lives. Well, they may be knowledgeable and knowledge puffeth up, but they don't have wisdom. They've not applied that to their life. And so Solomon reveals that, that wisdom is the spiritual uh, application of right or correct knowledge. And he mentions to us that a wise person, hey, listen now, this is deep, will seek wisdom. In other words, you never get so wise that you don't need more wisdom. And one of the benchmarks of someone who is a fool is they do not believe they need any more wisdom. If you ever learn or meet anybody that thinks they've got it all figured out, you just met a fool. If you meet anybody that thinks they don't need any instruction in their life, you've met a fool. If you've met anyone that thinks they can't be taught anything, then you've met a fool. For wisdom is accepting and embracing the reality that we are ever in need of more wisdom in our life. So Solomon talks about the seeking of wisdom in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he talks about the source of wisdom. Here's an important question. Where do we get that right answer? Where do we get that right doctrine? Where do we get that right correct information? Well, he's already hinted at it in chapter 1 in the last verse we read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And he expands on that in chapter 2, verse 6, he says this, For the Lord giveth wisdom. How does he do that? Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Now you're going to say, well, wait a minute, preacher, I don't hear the mouth of God, I don't hear the voice of God audibly, and that's good, amen? I don't want you to be like him folks down at the Cracker Barrel or the, or, or the Waffle House, amen? I, I, I agree with you, I don't hear the voice of God audibly, amen? But I do hear his voice through his word. You see, I have the very word and words of God, and I'm able to understand what God expects out of my life and what God's opinion on matters are through the word of God. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Sounds to me, if I'm going to have wisdom in my life, I'm going to have to go to the Lord to get wisdom. I'll tell you something that will save you a little time and money. Uh, there ain't nobody got anything figured out any better than God does. You can run after this book and that book and this author and that author and this guru and that guru, and they will all and everyone without exception lead you astray in certain aspects. But if you go to the Lord, he'll give you true wisdom and true understanding. And so we find the source of wisdom is the Lord. That's why God's made the wisdom of this world foolishness. Because as wise as an unsaved man can be, he is still foolish in the preeminent and predominant area of life, which is knowing his Creator and having a right relationship with Him. It's why you and I, as uh, oftentimes poorly educated, insignificant, uh, uh, obscure individuals, can possess wisdom beyond what this world can contemplate. It ain't because it's us. It ain't because we're just a smart, amen? It's because we know a God that knows all things. So if you want to know wisdom, you're going to have to go to the Lord. But then in our text in chapter 13, Solomon turns his attention not to the seeking of wisdom or the source of wisdom, 
but to the stability of wisdom. That's what I want to preach to you on tonight. Notice verse 13. He says this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. Why is that man happy? Well, he says in verse 14, For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Solomon says this, Wisdom is a far better investment than wealth. How many of you know we've seen our economic situation in this country be turned on its head in the past few years? And uh, we in our country, inflation has run away and things are rampant right now. And I don't really know exactly where we're headed. Me and uh, a brother were talking about it. And you kind of get the sneaking suspicion, especially with a lot of things going on in the world. It's almost like our politicians are stripping the copper out of the walls before the house burns. And we are in an economy that is in a, uh, not gradual, but an expedited state of implosion at all times. Now, I don't know about you, and I, and I realize there's people here in this room that you ain't, you, you quit making long-term plans, you don't even buy unripe bananas anymore, amen? But there are, I mean, I can say for my part, and who knows, I'm a Baptist preacher, somebody may shoot me in the head before the day's done or run over me with their car. But those of us that are raising young people and families, it's left some of us scratching our heads saying, what are we going to do over the next 20 years? Where, what, what do we invest in? What do we put our energies in? What do we do in our life to ensure that if the Lord tarries, we have some kind of life that's worth living here in another 30 and 40 and 50 years? What choices can we make? And I want to give you some encouragement tonight and a little bit of financial advice if I can. And I want to preach to you on an inflation-proof investment. I want to preach to you on something that don't never lose its value. I want to preach to you on something uh, that don't never decline in its, in its interest. I want to preach to you on something that is never a bad decision. Now, how many of y'all have heard of a timeshare? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it comes with free steak knives. <laughs> no, no, Solomon here in our text points to the fact that it is not wealth that makes a wise investment, but rather it is the principle of wisdom. I want you to notice a few thoughts here tonight, and then we'll be done. Look at our text in verse number 14. We just read it, but I want you to notice why wisdom makes a wise investment and why the best thing you can do in your life... Hey, and I'm not against... I hope you work hard. I hope you save money for all of its worth. I I hope that you make wise decisions financially. But I'm just here to tell you tonight, hey, listen, uh, there may be a lot of things beyond you or a lot of things beyond me, uh, but we are not left out in the cold. We have a Heavenly Father that loves us, that has given us instruction as to how to have a life that pleases Him and that is contenting to us. And that's what Solomon is dealing with. Why does wisdom make a person happy? Why is wisdom a wise investment? Verse 14 tells us this, For the merchandise of... Now, what does that mean? Well, that means its value or the things that can be bought with its value. In other words, what wisdom gains you and what wisdom secures you in your life, it's better, the Bible says, than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Can I tell you, number one tonight, why wisdom is a wise investment is because of the permanence of wisdom. It's interesting that Solomon invokes two precious metals that have become the absolute standard for monetary stability in our modern day. In fact, all throughout human history, silver and gold has had an intrinsic value. But it don't take long, especially when the economy gets a little bit rickety, when things get a little bit unpredictable, and you'll start hearing people talking about putting your money in silver and in gold. 
Why do they talk about that? Why is it that those are used as metrics? Well, the general consensus is this, because compared to most other commodities in the world, they have a permanence or a stability of value that is unrivaled. Why do people invest in silver? It ain't because they're making the risky play. Why do they put money in gold? It's not because they're wanting to take a big leap. It's because in an unstable economy, they feel like those things have a permanence about them that is unshakable concerning all the other things around it. Well, here God says this. I'll tell you something even more permanent than gold. I'll tell you something even more stable than silver. I'll tell you something that in your life will bear greater fruit than even these things can, and it's wisdom itself. Notice two things he points to. Number one, he points to this, that it retains value better than riches do. Verse number 14 says the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. The things you can buy with wisdom, you can buy at a lot better rate than the things you can buy with the riches of this world. One of the things we've learned painfully over the past few years is, hey, uh, the dollar, which at one time at least had some sort of standing in the world, it, it ain't cheap. Ooh, it, that dollar ain't as big as it used to be. <laughs> I mean, I reckon that bill is still six inches long, but it just don't seem like you can stretch it as far as you used to. But can I tell you this? Wisdom is something that will always have a value. No matter what happens in your life, it will always pay to have the wisdom of God. In fact, you'll find this to be true, that in your life, wisdom will always, not only will it retain its value, but it also returns value better than anything else. He goes on to say this, the gain thereof, then fine gold. Some of you all a little more savvy than I am. And you invest money and you put it in different things and different accounts and financial tools. And what is the fundamental purpose of all those things? Why is it that people do that with their money? They want their money to be giving them better returns. We right now are living in an economy where if you leave it in the bank account, you lose money. Inflation outpaces you. And oftentimes people will make these choices because they feel like if I put it in something a little more shrewd and put it in something that maybe even has a certain amount of risk associated with it, then possibly it will return better value than what it would in a safer environment. But can I tell you this? In your life, something that gives you better returns than gold ever can is wisdom. You'll get more. I want you to listen carefully. You'll have to apologize less and you'll get more out of life through wisdom than you could through anything else. The wisdom of God in your life, it, hey, listen, it may go out of style concerning this world's interests, but it never loses value in the application it has to your life. You can work and labor and lay up treasures on this side and try to build some sort of what you feel like is security and is stability. And as we've learned, hey, all that can be ripped away from you in a moment. The things that you thought you could pillow your head on, the things that you thought would give you some semblance of peace at night can be gone in a moment. But if you have invested your life in the things of God and if you've learned how to walk with God and live for the Lord, that will never fail you what come and what may. I see it returns value better than riches. You know, I've said this before, but in my life, I will tell you that serving God has brought me more than anything else could have. And uh, God has blessed me in my life. I have things that nobody needs in their life. I mean, you look at a lot of the nonsense and silliness we've got in our house. Most of our houses poured full of, uh, of so much junk. We're trying to figure out ways to give it away and get rid of it so that we can move around in them. 
But I mean even beyond material things. If I had devoted my life to the betterment of myself and my family, I could not be where I am today on my own. It took serving God. I'll just give you this little piece of advice in your life tonight. Hey, listen, if you want your life uh, to succeed, the greatest thing you can do with it is give it to Christ. He's never failed at anything He's done. And He won't fail at the administration of your life as well. Solomon points to the permanence of wisdom. But then look at verse 15. He talks about the preciousness of wisdom. He says, She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Here is an obvious point that Solomon points out. Ain't everybody got wisdom. When you are a wise person, you have uh, developed or been administered through the Lord a skill set and a capability that not everybody has. I've often thought to myself, when you look at how this world operates, especially you get out and, and you know, if you have to deal with the public and, and you know, you go to a restaurant or you go to a doctor's office, you go to uh, grocery stores or any place, are you ever shocked at the level of incompetence that exists in society? Do you ever just look around and think to yourself, how do people not accidentally step out in front of a bus or something? <laughs> and I've often thought to myself, and I guess this probably isn't true, but I've often thought, man, it wouldn't take much to succeed in various avenues and corridors of life and of public uh, interaction. You just have to have a willingness to do so. But here's a greater, deeper truth. The reality is wisdom is not as abundant as you would maybe think it is. Oftentimes, we live in a life where the flesh doesn't know what to do with the choices of life. And we cannot take for granted that people just know how to live better and how to be better and always choose not to do so. I'm telling you that it's possible. Yea, it's even been a reality in my life. There's been times that in ignorance through a, a lack of willingness to seek the Lord's face over a matter that I've made a mess of my life. But you know what? Wisdom, though there is a scarcity to wisdom, she's more precious than rubies. It's always available to the child of God. Uh, when you are a wise individual, you have something that not just everybody walking around in life has. And that puts an intrinsic value upon your life and upon your presence and upon God's usage of your life. You know, one of the things that is plaguing our society is people getting educated in dumb things. And they're highly educated, but they're highly educated in dumb things. I guess if you get highly educated in something dumb, you didn't get smarter, you got dumber. Amen. And oftentimes, it's a reality that people sometimes, uh, I guess they just, they've, they've been conditioned to believe this, that, that having a piece of paper that says you went to college, uh, it, it just instills a value in your life, don't matter what you went to college for. That's not true. There are some things better to go to school for than others, all right? Uh, it is more important that this world have, uh, you know, air-conditioned men than it is that this world have people uh, that are highly curated in uh, New Zealand Maori gender studies, all right? And so one of the things that's happening in society is young people are oftentimes they're shocked. They, they've accrued hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt. And then they get that magical piece of paper that they were told would uh, get them a Mercedes Benz and a three car garage and everything else. And then they go out and they find out there's no demand for it. You know why? The world is full of people that have dumb degrees. And those dumb degrees don't instill or impart any intrinsic value unto themselves. There's no scarcity about them. You can find them everywhere. Some of you were part of a generation that experienced that transition. Your parents grew up in a time where if a man had a college degree, it did mean something in his life. Your children grew up in a time where if a person had a college degree, everybody had them, so it didn't mean anything. And you were part of the painful generation that had to learn that lesson. 
that oftentimes it doesn't instill anything. You know why? And here's a basic economic principle, supply and demand. Hey, listen, the supply may be infinite of wisdom for the child of God, but because there's not been much demand, there's not much of it in the market, and you'll find that in your life, if you'll apply yourself unto the wisdom of God, you will have something that the average person just simply does not have. You'll know how to navigate life in a way that no one else does. He points to the scarcity of wisdom. Then he points to the satisfaction of it. He says, all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. You ever had something in your life that you've wanted desperately only to get it and be disappointed with it? Nobody look at their spouse. (laughs) Right now, Burger King, the Burger King, have it your way. Ain't nobody ever got it their way at Burger King, ever. (laughs) Burger King has been in a lawsuit here lately because somebody had the nerve... Somebody had the nerve to finally sue them because the Whopper that they have airbrushed on the commercial does not look like anything that has ever come out of a Burger King restaurant. And uh, and they are actually they're in court. I mean, I right now. I mean, I don't know if it's at six forty on a Sunday night, but they're they're in court. They're being sued right now for false advertising. I say praise the Lord. And I ain't got a real spiritual reason for that, but it just feels good. Amen. And. Uh, I guess somebody was in a bad enough mood that they opened up that little piece of paper and pulled out that wadded up ball of mayonnaise, tomato, bun, shredded lettuce, and whatever they call beef, and was in a bad enough mood that they called their lawyer and said, something has to be done about this. (laughs) What happened, man? They got it, and they was disappointed in it. They thought it would mean, and they got it, and it wasn't what they thought it would be. Sometimes life hands you wadded up whoppers. But can I tell you something? Wisdom never will. There's going to be things you might pursue in life that you think will really make you happy. But can I tell you what really satisfies? It's a life of the wisdom of the Lord. You want a life that has peace? I wish I'd get, and I'm not, I ain't preaching at any of your young people or anything. I, I don't, but, but I just, young people in general, I often think to myself, man, there's so many things they're so hyper focused on. And they're missing the greater, the better, the more precious things in life. And you know, one of the things that causes us to value the things that matter is the wisdom of the Lord. We don't have a right framework to assess and appraise things until we have a biblical worldview. You know what you'll find when you develop a a biblical worldview through reading the Word of God and getting the wisdom of God? There's things this world says are infinitely important that absolutely aren't worth even a, a wadded up whopper. And then there's things that this world passes over as insignificant, as unimportant, that God in His wisdom has declared are precious to the child of God. And if you'll go with God, you'll have a satisfied life. It don't mean you'll always have everything you want. It don't mean there'll never be times in your life that there won't be things you desire, but your life will be far more satisfied living for the Lord than it ever could through this world's wisdom. I'll give you one example of that and I'll move on. You know, the world ain't that interested in church. But where would I be without my church family? I'm, I, yeah, I could be sitting in, in a deer stand somewhere. I, I could be, I could be in some, in, in some uh, trout stream right now. And, and listen, the, certainly the world would say that's a better expenditure of your time. The world puts no value on the house of God and on the people of God. But I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. And, and one of the things on His table that is so precious and delightful to me is a church family and a church home. 
Man, it's precious. I mean, I love it. The world says there's no value there. The world's wrong. With a biblical worldview, hey, listen, uh, loving the Lord, loving my family, raising them in church, raising them around you folks, trying to do something for God and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's a precious lie. Nothing wrong with that. I see the preciousness of wisdom. But then in verse 16, I see the prosperity of wisdom. Solomon says this, length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Solomon points to two important truths about wisdom. Number one, he says it extends your life. Length of days is in her right hand. In other words, you will live longer if you live a life of wisdom. Now, you and I both understand that Solomon is providing for us principles of life. And for every rule, there are exceptions. There's people that, uh, not through any unwise decisions of their own, but through the providence of God, have uh, left this world sooner than you or I would wish that they have. But if you will, for just a moment, try to refocus your lens and just look on the broad spectrum of life, you'll find this to be observably true. People that make foolish decisions don't live long, generally speaking. And people that apply wisdom of the Lord to their life, they tend to live longer lives. There's a lot of people, bottle has put them into an early grave. Drugs have put them into an early grave. Promiscuity has put them into an early grave. Hey, an imbalanced life concerning work has put them into an early grave. Hey, anxiety and stress has put them into an early grave. I ain't never known of anybody die going to church too much. I ain't never known anybody die praying too much. I ain't never heard nobody dying or reading their Bible too much. I've never heard of anybody dying from loving the Lord too much. And here is just a basic, simple truth of life. And if you don't believe me, you can go with me. We'll go down to the hospital and we'll walk the halls as I've done many times in my life. And you will see oftentimes the wreckage of sin in people's lives. Unwise decisions. Hey, wisdom, it extends your life. But not only that, wisdom, it elevates your life. He says this, in her left hand, riches and honor. Now, somebody's going to say, well, preacher, some of the best Christians I know don't have riches. Me too. But there's different kinds of riches. You see, there are riches that are merely relative in in the framework of this world's currency and this world's economy. Hey, here's one of the things we're learning. Uh, Sometimes how this world values things is at best... Uh, uh, naive and at worst outlandish. I don't even, this, this didn't even last long enough for y'all to ever remember. I even referenced it in a sermon, but back about a year or so ago, they had these things called NFTs. I don't know if you remember these NFTs. They were digital artifacts. Uh, now, if anybody comes to you and says they want to sell you a digital artifact, uh, hold on to your wallet. Because that is a fake thing. Even when it's real, it's a fake thing. And what these things were, I, I were just really grifting <laughs> is all it was. But it was where people said that there are certain, you know, artifacts, digital entities existing in a digital space that are proprietary. There's only one of them that exists and you can own it. I don't know what you do with it, but you could own it. And then you could tell other people, I own this thing. And people were paying literally hundreds of millions of dollars for some of these. I remember when, uh, again, just a, a hot minute ago, when they were uh, thought that Facebook was going to create a whole virtual reality that we was all going to live in, and uh, they didn't realize politicians already done that, but they, they, they were selling real estate in the virtual world. 
And it was going for like real money. I mean, I say real money. I'm not sure there is real money. But as real as money can be was being paid for this virtual real estate. You see, there's all kinds of riches. Some more tangible than others. But some more eternal than others. And you know what you'll find? You'll find this. Your life will be better for the wisdom of God. You may not always have the riches of this world. But you'll have riches that outlast this world. You may not have honor amongst men, but you'll have honor amongst the Lord. And you'll find this, that your life, it won't just be longer, it'll be better for having the wisdom of God in it. I see the prosperity of wisdom, but let's expand on that a little bit. Look at verse 17. Solomon talks about the peacefulness of wisdom. Say, preacher, how does wisdom make your life better? Well, he says this, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Here's how wisdom makes your life better. Number one, it makes for a joyful life. You will enjoy serving the Lord. Why do we not say that more as Christians? It's true. You will enjoy serving the Lord. Oh yeah, people annoy you sometimes. Sometimes you'll you'll get frustrated. You'll get aggravated. That's part of it. I got news for you. Lost people annoy you too. Uh, and, and lost people get annoyed too. But we ought to say this more as 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 the people of God. Hey, it's an enjoyable thing to be a Christian. It's a joyful life to live for the Lord. I wonder sometimes if we don't do very much to make the life of living for Christ very appealing to our younger people. When all of our life is occupied with constant complaint and grumbling and poor mouthing and, 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 and despair and, and discouragement, when we all, they, all we want to talk about is how out of control this world that is in control by the Lord, amen, seems It would be no wonder that our young people would look up and say, well, that doesn't look like a very fun life. All they do is gripe and moan. All they do is complain about things. I've got news for you. If you'll serve the Lord, if you'll you'll let wisdom, the wisdom of the Lord, be a prevailing principle in your life, you'll have a fun life. And it won't be the kind of fun that you can't remember the next morning. And it won't be the kind of fun that you have to apologize for with bouquets of roses and long letters. It'll be a fun that is clean of conscience and clean of experience. It'll be a fun that rejoices in the Lord. It'll be a fun that's enjoyed in the in the clear brightness of awareness and consciousness. Hey, listen, it's a joyful thing to live for the Lord. And having the wisdom of God, it'll make your life joyful. You will enjoy the life that God gives you if you will let the wisdom of God prevail in your life. It makes for a joyful life, but then number two, it makes for a peaceful life. All her paths are peace. How many of you have known people in life whose life was in constant upheaval and turmoil because of bad decisions they make? The rest of you liars can raise your hands here in a few moments. Man, I don't know about you. Maybe you don't know anybody like that. I know all kinds of people like that. Their life is is a constant storm of their own making. They've made foolish decisions, and foolish decisions lead to foolish decisions, lead to consequences that are unpalatable, which lead to more foolish decisions. And their life is in a constant state of upheaval. Why is that? Because they've not applied the wisdom of the Lord in their life. Uh, You remember being young and wanting life to be exciting? Do you remember the moment you became old and wanted life to start being boring? Yeah. We were talking about it at lunch today, about how many times that we argued with our parents as young people about taking naps and how we wish we'd go back. How sometimes there's nothing you want more than somebody look at you and say, go to your room and take a nap. Yes, sir. I'm out. Uh, is, is the life of a Christian full of constant turmoil? No, shouldn't be. 
Shouldn't be. Instead, it should be full of the peace of the Lord. And I will tell you, if you want a life of peace, and that life of noise gets old quick, and you'll want a life of peace. Only the wisdom of the Lord can provide that. I want to give you one more, and I'm done tonight. Look at verse 18. The Bible says about wisdom, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy. There we find that word again, happy. What makes you happy in life? What makes you happy in life? The world thinks money will make them happy. Relationships will make them happy. Thinks experiences will make them happy. What does the wisdom of the Lord say? It says that wisdom makes a man happy. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. What is Solomon saying in verse number 18? Well, consider that first phrase. She is a tree of life. Do you know this phrase is only found in three places in your Bible, three books of the Bible. It's found in the book of Genesis. It's where we're introduced to this concept of a tree of life. Whenever God created Adam and Eve, he planted a garden and he put man in the garden to tend the garden. You say, preacher, you believe that? Well, sure, my Bible says that. Amen. Why would I, why would I believe anybody above the Lord? My Bible says that. The Savior that saved me told me that in his word. So yes, I believe that. And so he created this garden and he put man in it. And there were two types of trees that were unique in it. There's probably all manner of trees. But two types of trees that were unique. One you're very familiar with. It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because it features largely in Genesis 3 in the story of man's fall. But did you know there was another tree that is also mentioned in chapter 3? After mankind had eaten of the fruit of the tree and and their eyes were opened and and their consciences were were awakened and they uh, became sinners, the Bible says that that God, he expelled them from the garden and he put an angel at the gate of the garden with a flaming sword. And this is why God did it. Because he said, lest they should go in and eat the tree of life and live forever. Now, why would God do that? Was he mad at them? No. He didn't want them living forever in a fallen state. He knew it'd be far better. Hey, listen, how could, how could a savior have died for them if uh, they had themselves never died? And so there had to be Death, it had to exist for redemption to come. But it's interesting because that that phrase, tree of life, it's talking about a literal tree that existed in the Garden of Eden, and it seems to suggest that it was a tree that granted eternal life of some sense or some semblance to a person that partook in. You'll find that phrase again here uh, a few times in the book of Proverbs, and then you'll find it in the book of Revelation, where we're told that when God creates a new heaven and a new earth, that the tree of life will be there in the new Jerusalem and its uh, fruit will bear 12 months out of the year and, and whoever will may come and eat freely of, of the fruit of the tree of life. So here's the thing that I get while reading that. Evidently, the tree of life, it was a literal thing that existed in the Garden of Eden. I believe it'll be a literal thing that exists in the new Jerusalem. But obviously, it also bespeaks the longevity that God can give uh, through people, through His Word, and through them following. And, and Solomon uses it in that sense in the book of Proverbs as being the source of life to a person. Here's what I get in verse 18, and I'll be done. He talks about the priority of wisdom. A tree of life is an important thing. It was the most important thing in the garden. It'll be a very important thing in the New Jerusalem. And here's what he's saying. Whatever else you miss, don't miss the tree of life. If there's one final piece of advice I could give you, it's this. Put a priority on wisdom. Put a priority on wisdom. Here's what Solomon says about the importance of gaining wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not. 
neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom, he says, is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Solomon says, whatever else you get in life, be sure you get wisdom. Because wisdom, which is a disposition of the heart, of being receiving of the wisdom and counsel of God, will lead to understanding, which will lead to all other things that God might bless you with in your life. He points to the fact that whatever else you may miss out on, man, don't miss out on wisdom. Don't miss out on wisdom. He talks about the importance of gaining wisdom, but then he talks about the importance of guarding wisdom. He says, happy is everyone that retaineth her. You ever had things you've sold you wish you didn't sell? Uh, you ever had something that you thought, I mean, there's, there's, some of y'all have probably thrown away stamps worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and your closet is stacked full of beanie babies tonight. And you thought, why didn't I make the right decision? <laughs> you ever had something you thought, I, this is going to be, I mean, hey, listen, this is going to really pay off one day. Only to find out that it didn't, and then other things that you threw away didn't think it was nothing, and you're sitting there, and, and some, 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 somebody's on the antiques roadshow. They've got my vase, and it's worth how much? I wish that's the reaction we got on the antiques roadshow. I don't care what the person that has it looks like. I wish they could get a camera on the person that sold it. That's what I want to see. That would make for good TV. And here's what Solomon says. He says, whatever you do, don't lose wisdom. He talks about the importance of guarding wisdom. Now, somebody will say, well, preacher, how can I lose wisdom? Oh, real easy. Uh, listen to what the opening verses of Proverbs chapter 3 says. It says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. You say, preacher, I could never lose wisdom. I've known people that did. I've known people to live for the Lord and serve God and raise their family in church only to get their kids grown and absolutely lose their mind. Get out in the world, get out in sin, get out in the devil's crowd. I've known people to be faithful. I could name some of them, and no doubt you could too, who at one time were faithful in the house of God and were living for the Lord and were serious for God, and today they're doing nothing for the Lord. Oh, let me tell you something. Wisdom will run away from you if you're not careful. You've got to diligently purpose in your heart that you're going to day by day. Because it's not so much that wisdom runs, it's that the flesh runs it off. The flesh will make foolish decisions. And, and, and us in our natural state will make foolish decisions. And so it's important, not just that you get wisdom, but that you guard wisdom in your life. I hope that through the wisdom of the Lord, we can live the life that God has for us. I know it's possible. But here's what I want to encourage you to tonight. You say, preacher, I don't know what we're going to do, man. Eggs is, is like, I don't know what they are now, $6 or something probably. Preacher, you go to the gas station, you got to have a co-signer. What are we going to do? I'll tell you the best thing you can do in your life. This doesn't make those problems go away. But the smartest thing you can do in your life is get in your Bible and apply your heart unto wisdom. Make the Lord the priority of your life and His Word the chief focus of your life. And I promise you, I, well, let's, let me not even say that. It don't matter what I promise you. God promises you that if He tarries His coming, then in five years you'll be far better off than if you took all the advice the world could offer you. Let's bow together tonight as a musician comes to play. 
I want to give you an opportunity in whatever respect the Lord's dealt with your heart to make a, a move towards Him tonight, to respond to Him tonight. There might be an area of your life you feel like you've lacked wisdom. Maybe a decision or choice that you've made that in retrospect you say, you know, preacher, I didn't pray about that. Well, why don't you come and why don't you ask the Lord to give you wisdom about it? There may be something in your life that even currently right now you're seeking the Lord's wisdom about and you say, preacher, I don't know what to do about this. I, I don't know what I should, what choice I should make. Well, hey, listen, we don't have to, we don't have to wonder. God wants to lead us. Why don't you come down and ask for wisdom from the Lord tonight? Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.